From the Amazon to the Himalayas, God is accomplishing his mission. Welcome to Amazon to the Himalayas podcast. Stories and conversations with the global church and for the global church about the mission of God in the world. And now here is your host, Paul Aiken. Welcome to Amazon to the Himalayas podcast. I'm your host, Paul Aiken. And in this episode, we're going to be having a conversation with the president of the International Mission Board, Dr. Paul Chitwood. Paul Chitwood has served as president of the IMB since 2018. He previously served as the executive director of the Kentucky Baptist Convention. Prior to that, he served for 18 years as a pastor in several different local churches, Chitwood is a two-time graduate of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, where he also served as a faculty member. He is married to his wife, Michelle, and father to four children. And I'm really looking forward to you hearing from Paul Chitwood today. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you, Paul. What a privilege it is to be on with you today. Uh, grateful for you and your ministry, for the great leadership that you're giving uh, at uh, my alma mater and in the Graham School, where I did PhD studies and taught for several years, to know that you're there uh, leading such a great team encourages me, and I'm pleased to be on the conversation with you today. Praise the Lord. Well, why don't you maybe start by just telling us briefly about you and your family? Yeah, thank you for that. I've uh, been in the role here for two years. Before that, as you mentioned, I had uh, worked in Kentucky, with Kentucky Baptist Convention, pastored 18 years. My wife, Michelle, and I have been together for a long time. In fact, we began our courtship uh, along about the seventh or eighth grade and and uh, continued uh, on as boyfriend, girlfriend until uh, we married after she graduated college and I was wrapping up my first year of seminary. Uh, so we've been married uh, 27 years. We have four children. Our son, Daniel, and his wife, Derica, uh, live in South Florida. He works on a, a private hunting ranch there. Uh, we have a daughter, Anna, uh, who is in Louisville, uh, in your area, Paul, and she is working uh, on the COVID unit at Norton Audubon Hospital. Has been, uh, she's, she's graduated uh, from her nursing program at University of Louisville back in May, so she jumped right in there. We have uh, two younger daughters, adopted daughters. Our daughter, Kai, uh, is 14, and our daughter, Lily, is 8. Awesome. You know, Paul, one of the things that I love about you is is your salvation testimony. Uh, I remember the first time I heard you share that back when I was still serving with the International Mission Board, and the Lord just really encouraged me when I got to hear how the Lord saved you. So I, I would love for you to share with our listeners just briefly uh, your testimony. How did God save you? Yeah, kind of a unique story. Our parents divorced when I was two. Younger brother was one. Older brother was four. Our our father raised us uh, from then, moving forward, had custody of us. Our mother had visitation rights, but dad was uh, living. I mean, we grew up in a, a small town uh, of Jellicoe uh, along the Tennessee-Kentucky border over in the mountains, and he was working uh, for the telephone company. In fact, he ended up working 45 years uh, for the telephone company. I retired a few years ago. We were living in a little two-bedroom rental house at 210 Province Street, and a couple of deacons at the Little Baptist Church uh, there in Jellicoe were out visiting one night, knocking on doors, uh, made it up to 210 Province Street. I was about four at the time and knocked on our door and invited Dad to come to church. And he took them up on that. And uh, we began going to church uh, on a regular basis uh, from there moving forward. 
and found a church family that welcomed us in and uh, loved us and our brokenness helped our family begin to heal and really looking back on it kind of helped help dad raise us this uh, very uh, warm and welcoming uh, congregation there it was a few years later i was probably about eight years old when there's another knock at our door one evening and it was our pastor brother alan herod who was there at dad's invitation my older brother had expressed uh, interest in, in the gospel, asking questions, what it would mean to give his life to Christ. And uh, dad uh, invited our pastor over who graciously came and sat in the green chair in the corner of our living room. Dad brought a chair out of the kitchen, put in front of him. And my older brother sat there and, and uh, listened as uh, Brother Herod shared the gospel with him. My younger brother and I were sitting in the floor, I remember listening as well. And uh, the way I like to put it, uh, Brother Herod got three for one that night. Uh, as after he had shared, all three of us committed our lives to Christ. Uh, we were baptized together in the baptistry of the First Baptist Church of Jellicoe a few weeks after that and continue to be raised uh, in the church. And the Lord, just in his kindness to, uh, to find us there and send someone to us and the obedience of those who just love their lost neighbors and want them to hear the gospel. I look back on that. There's no way that, that those deacons or nor our pastor knew that sitting in the floor of that little rental house was a future IMB president. Uh, they were just there because they, they love their neighbors. They love the lost. They love the Lord. They wanted others to hear the good news of the gospel and how grateful I am for them and for the Lord's kindness in saving me. Praise the Lord. I, I love that story. And so, yeah, just as you mentioned, uh, a young man who comes to faith in, in Jellico, Tennessee, now, by God's grace, is serving as president of the International Mission Board. You've been serving in that role now for just a little bit over two years. And so I want to ask you a question. I know anytime you step into a new leadership role, there's a myriad of challenges that, that come with that, particularly with an organization as, as large and as complex in many ways as the IMB. So as you think back on the past two years, what would you say, uh, besides obviously the, the global pandemic that we're walking <laughs> yeah. through at this point, that may be number one, but yeah. maybe besides that, what's been your biggest challenge uh, as you've been leading at the IMB? You know, I think is the, the biggest challenge has just been leading our organization to get reconnected with churches, with our constituency, uh, with our supporters, and in building uh, stronger relationships with those who we already had relationships, building new relationships. Uh, you know, the, the, the IMB is a, is a large organization with a storied history of 175 years. Uh, we serve a vast constituency of uh, you know, 14 million Southern Baptists and 47,000 or so Southern Baptist uh, convention churches, uh, as well as partnerships with Great Commission Christians around the world. It, it's the relational side of this is, uh, is uh, huge, and that's really where we need uh, needed our greatest reset and, and to push forward. Uh, and so, you know, the, the, the challenges of that, uh, I have I've couched it in terms uh, uh, for people here at the IMB of, of a communication challenge, communication issue, everything that has, has ailed the IMB. And listen, there's so much that's great about the IMB and so much that the Lord is, is doing uh, here and around the world uh, through Southern Baptists and their missionaries. But we also know that there's been a, a long period of decline uh, for the IMB. And so to get things moving forward again, gather the momentum and, and begin to grow as in our reach around the world, our number of missionaries, uh, the way I've couched the, the, the challenge facing us is a communication challenge. We have to be better at communicating to our supporters, our constituents, our churches, 
uh, individuals who might consider going and serving with the IMB, those who might want to give to God's work among the nations. We have to communicate better with them and and even internal communications, as you know, from being here, Paul, such a large organization, literally sprinkled around the world. And uh, we will be more effective as we communicate more effectively as uh, you know, one team with one mission. And so trying to trying to push ourselves in that direction uh, has been the biggest challenges. We have a long way to go. We are getting momentum. We're seeing some great things uh, happen. You know, lots of challenges that have, have gone into that. Uh, for me, you know, getting reacquainted with the organization. I'd been two terms on the board, chaired the board uh, for a couple of years, but that was uh, back, uh, I, I ended my term as a board member in 2010. And so I'd been away from the IMB. And even, you know, as a board member, it's not like you're serving on staff or you're serving as a missionary overseas. Uh, so there's much that I needed to personally get acquainted with so I could really, uh, really do my job in leading and serving and and helping us to to rebuild the relationships, communicate better, because communication is the essence of those relationships. And these are the challenges that that uh, we're embracing and really trying to push forward in these areas. That's really helpful. I want to kind of ask the flip side of the same question. As you think back and reflect back on the last two years, what's been the biggest encouragement for you at the IMB? I think above everything else has just been the way I've been received, the way I've been welcomed, uh, embraced. You know, the the uh, IMB family, I would like to say, is, has been so incredibly welcoming to me, to Michelle, to our family. Just the immediate trust and confidence that that people have placed in me. I don't think because it's me, it's not because it's Paul Chitwood, but because of the position uh, that the Lord has is allowing me to steward uh, for, for this season of, of IMB life. The IMB uh, family has just really welcomed us in and encouraged us. And that's true of the SBC family as well. Uh, yeah, I've been invited to uh, speak uh, all across the country at churches. Uh, they don't know me. They don't know anything about me, but they know that I'm the IMB president, and they, they want to hear uh, from the IMB, and they love uh, their missionaries. They love what God is doing among the nations through them. Uh, and so because, again, I have the privilege of stewarding uh, this role, uh, it, it just gives me such an inroad to relationships, to opportunities, to connect uh, with people. And uh, again, a lot of that, I've not, I've not earned that trust. I don't necessarily deserve that, that, uh, that welcome in uh, to whether it's a, a family or a church family, uh, to the relationships, and yet the Lord and His grace has provided Southern Baptists and their grace, and I am the family and His grace, uh, and it's, it's been such an encouragement uh, to know uh, that uh, I'm heard, uh, I'm, that there are people who who, who desire uh, to follow and to be a part, uh, even as uh, my leadership or direction that that we're setting. And again, even though they may not have a lot of familiarity with me, but it just it just comes with the road. I remember Tom Elf uh, talking about uh, the way he felt uh, carried along in this role by the prayers of God's people. And I've felt that too, uh, to be prayed for the way I'm prayed for by even people who don't know me. Again, it's just an illustration of, of um, the blessing of this role. That's encouraging. I appreciate you sharing that. You know, one of the things that's the the focus of this particular podcast is, you know, the title is From the Amazon to the Himalayas. And the idea is that we know that from the Amazon to the Himalayas, everywhere in between, that our God is accomplishing His mission and His purpose 
in the world. And so the goal of this podcast is to kind of share and tell some of those stories. So from where you sit at the IMB, I know you you get to hear some of the things that the Lord is doing all throughout the world through the work of the IMB. So maybe can you share a little bit with our listeners, just what are some of the things that you see and hear the Lord doing around the world that are encouraging to you? Yeah, well, there's so much. And and uh, to just capture a, a couple of things that, that have been personal for me and for us, the gospel is going forth among the deaf, even in a global pandemic. I was talking recently with Mark Souter, who leads our, our deaf work around the world, and he was sharing about uh, something that happened at the Deaf uh, Theological Training School that's actually head- headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee, at Brentwood Baptist Church. We have our great partners there, uh, and they're doing training for people who will go out as missionaries or people who who want to reach the deaf. Uh, and there was a, a, a class on you know, how to share your testimony, how to share the, share the gospel and sign. Uh, and uh, a, a couple of guys were in the class who were originally from Indonesia. And uh, partway through the class, they went to practice what they were learning. And so they, they got online with some of their friend, their deaf friends in Indonesia, uh, spent an hour sharing the gospel, sharing their testimony and sign online. And as a result of that, two of their friends, their deaf friends in Indonesia, profess faith at the end of that call. We've been able to get them connected to a, a church that ministers the deaf there and been baptized and, and discipling them. And so it's just, just so encouraging to see uh, the gospel going forth, even to the deaf, when there's not that opportunity for face-to-face connection. Yeah, personally, for, for Michelle and for me, we had the opportunity and, and really invested heavily in travel uh, the first year and a half on the job till COVID hit and, and kind of shut that down uh, for overseas travel uh, in particular. But uh, one of the trips that we took was uh, to Uganda, and we were able to see a house there that Southern Baptists had built for a 16-year-old boy and his four younger siblings and what was special and unique about this situation is it, it's in a refugee settlement in northern Uganda, just outside of Arua. Uh, there are thousands and thousands of refugees who have, who have fled there from Sudan, South Sudan, the Congo. And this 16-year-old boy and his younger siblings have fled out of uh, South Sudan, uh, showed up in a refugee settlement. I have no idea how on foot they made it uh, to northern Uganda, but they showed up there with like literally nothing uh, presumably orphans uh, on their own, 16-year-old taking care of the others, so they're homeless and in a refugee camp. And news came to some of our missionaries, our IMB missionaries who were working uh, in that settlement, and uh, they immediately went to work making sure the needs of uh, this young child-headed household uh, were, were met. They got food, they uh, got their basic needs met, and then built uh, them a house. And so we were able to see the house. And to be able to see such a tangible example of the love of Southern Baptists for a group of kids, orphaned totally on their own, on the other side of the world, without hope and without help, until Southern Baptists, by God's grace, showed up to help them, to bring them hope. How much of their lives has changed because of the love of Southern Babs. I mean, it's just an incredible, incredible story. And that's taking place all around the world. We Another place we were in was uh, Cucuta, Colombia, right on the Venezuelan border. 
and uh, Michelle and I, as our team members, were there on the Simon Boulevard Bridge where people are streaming out of Venezuela, this the, this country that is is just disintegrated, uh, literally, financially, and in every other way. People, millions have come out of there looking for food, medical care, some sort of help, hope, stability in their lives. And uh, right right at the end of that bridge, uh, there is a a ministry center uh, that Southern Baptists help uh, provide uh, where people who are uh, who are coming out of uh, such difficult circumstances are greeted, they're welcomed, uh, aid is given to them as they're really just beginning a journey uh, to find uh, a new place to live, a job, what have you. And and there was one particular lady, a grandmother, who had walked across the bridge and, and uh, we had the opportunity to have a conversation with her. And uh, she with tears streaming down her face, began to plead with us, please let the world know, let the world know what is going on. There's no hope. There's no hope. And Charles Clark, who, who uh, at the time was leading our work in the Fantes, was with me. Charles grew up in uh, uh, South America, knows the language well, knows the culture well. He uh, really he is a product of it. Uh, grew up as a missionary kid on the field. He began to share with her. We had prayer with her. And it was amazing just as we ministered to her and prayed with her, how you could immediately see light coming into our eyes, uh, the, her, her emotions beginning to calm uh, as we pointed to her hope that's found in Christ. And just the witness of God's people around the world through the work of the IMB is bringing hope. And that's why we exist, right? And such an encouragement to be a part of that. And, and just a couple of little anecdotes there and to know that's happening all around the world. Praise God for it. Yes, praise the Lord for those uh, encouraging stories. You know, one of the things that I love about the IMB, that I love about Southern Baptist, is the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, and you and I know what that is, but maybe some of the folks who are listening in on this conversation may not know what it is, and so I'd love for them to hear from the IMB president what is the Lottie Moon Christmas offering? Who gives to it? What's the goal? How are the funds used? Tell us a little bit about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Yeah, it's it's such a, a great kingdom tool and, and opportunity and resource. Uh, many, many years ago, uh, WMU ladies uh, wanted to, uh, to help fund uh, the work of getting the gospel to the nations uh, through uh, Southern Baptist missionaries. And Lottie Moon uh, was one of the the early uh, female missionaries who went, served like 40 years in China, uh, literally died uh, in service. She was, uh, was uh, of poor health and, and starving, very difficult time in China. And she shared much of her food with the Chinese. And, and um, it was uh, when it became apparent that, that she may not be able to survive they finally were able to uh, get her on a ship heading home, but she died on the way back to the U.S., not wanting to leave, uh, but literally having given her life to see the gospel go forward in China. The WMU ladies chose her name to give to the offering that they began to promote in Southern Baptist churches across uh, the country. And every year, this Christmas offering is taken up uh, in honor of Lottie Moon. So we call it the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering for International Missions, but um, primarily to get the gospel to those who haven't heard. There's still over 3,000 unreached and unengaged people groups around the world, 154,937 people who die every day lost around the world. 
And the funding of getting missionaries to the nations is the answer to that. Getting the gospel to people who haven't heard. And 60% of the funding for International Mission Board missionaries comes through this Lottie offering that churches uh, receive uh, this time of year, although we'll receive it any time of year. Uh, but the Christmas emphasis and the season of giving is perfect for this. And this uh, is a commitment that we make to Southern Baptists and those who would give. Every penny that's given uh, will be used for the work among the nations. None of us here in the U.S. are supported through that. I'm not supported through that. None of our support systems uh, at, at the IMB stateside receive the lot of all of it goes overseas to get the gospel to the nations. And so it's such a tremendous opportunity. We have a huge goal this year, $175 million goal. Uh, the Women's Missionary Union still uh, helps us not only set that goal, but get out and raise the funds, promote the Lottie offering. And in uh, light of the fact that this year, the International Mission Board was celebrating its 175th anniversary, that offering goal was set at $175 million. Uh, we've never received that much. Uh, this past year, we had a great offering. Um, the goal was $155 million. Southern Babs blew that out of the water, and their generosity gave $159.5 million. Uh, and that was the second largest uh, offering that we've ever received during the Lottie Moon uh, Christmas season. And so we're, we've set it at $175 million this year. And it's a really big deal for us reaching that goal because uh, we, we want to see a growth in our missionary force. In fact, we have as a goal over the next five years to send 500 more fully funded missionaries. And uh, hitting this Lottie target will really put us up on the right foot to meeting that goal and sending more missionaries around the world. And so we're encouraging everyone to give with generosity this year. Amen. Uh, pray and hope that folks will, will be generous and give during this Christmas season. And then, as you mentioned, on into 2021 as well. You know, one of the things that you mentioned earlier that I really appreciate about your leadership at the IMB is the the emphasis and the focus on reconnecting some with local churches across the Southern Baptist Convention. So from your perspective, I want to ask, what are some practical ways that local churches can be more involved in global missions through the IMB? Oh, what a great question. And I love to answer this question. And we, we talk about some very specific things. We talk about pray, give, go, and send. And so those four opportunities First, let me break each of them down, to, to, to pray uh, for missionaries, to pray for the lost among the nations, to pray that the gospel would go forth. At the end of the day, Paul, and I know you agree with this totally, the greatest resource in Great Commission work is not missionaries or the money it takes to support them. The greatest resource in Great Commission work is the Spirit of God. A missionary goes to do what ultimately they cannot do. They go to save people or see people saved. We know a missionary has the capacity to save no one. Uh, but it is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that, that convinces us of, of the truth of the gospel, that convicts us of sin, that brings rebirth to uh, uh, the person who is dead in their trespasses and sins. And How is it that we access that great resource in the Great Commission? It's through our prayers. It's as we call on God and plead with Him that His Spirit would move and use us and empower our witness and and uh, open opportunities uh, for the gospel to move forth around the world. And, and so praying uh, is uh, such an essential part. In fact, there's no more essential contribution, I believe, to Great Commission work than the prayers of God's people. So we ask individuals and churches to pray. 
giving uh, is also a, a, an opportunity to be a part of of investing and in getting the gospel out. Right now, about half of Southern Baptist churches give through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We have a goal over the next five years to see that move to 75%. Uh, and uh, I believe if we could get you know, three-fourths of Southern Baptists uh, uh, involved in, in giving uh, through the Lottie offering, we really would see uh, the gospel get to places it's never been before. And we'd see people uh, say because they would hear the good news through a missionary who is there on the ground uh, seeking to evangelize and make disciples. And so giving is uh, something every church or every individual uh, can be a part of in getting the gospel of nations. And then uh, we talk about going. And uh, while it's difficult to go right now in the midst of global pandemic, the opportunity will open up again soon, uh, we trust. And, and what a huge help those who go on volunteer mission trips are to our missionaries around the world. There's usually 20,000 plus uh, Southern Baptists who go on overseas volunteer mission trips. And, and as they walk alongside our personnel uh, to encourage them, to help them in practical ways, uh, we have doctors, dentists, uh, nurses, uh, evangelists, seminary professors. Oh, no, there's so many opportunities to go to so many places in the world and serve in a volunteer role and that not only helps encourage and bless and move the work forward on the field, but it's life-changing. It's transformational to those uh, who go and participate in that way. And so we encourage Southern Baptists uh, when they can to go. And then uh, finally, to, to send. God does not place a call upon my life uh, to uh, live cross-culturally overseas, to, uh, to be a frontline missionary. And so if I'm not a missionary, as I understand it and read my Bible, then I need to be mobilizing missionaries. I need to be, uh, me, need to be sending out uh, those and uh, giving so they can go ensuring that, that I'm doing my part to obey the Great Commission, Acts 1-8 mandate. And as we uh, do that, as we send missionaries through our, our giving and, and praying for them, uh, we're involved personally. All of these opportunities, uh, we really uh, roll out the red carpet for any church or individual who wants to be a part of being level. There's so many resources uh, on our website, uh, prayer resources, daily prayer requests uh, that you can sign up for. Uh, the opportunity to give through your local church or directly to the IMB is afforded uh, to you as well if you give directly uh, through the website. And then uh, if, if you want to go, it's a volunteer trip or God is calling you to plant your life among an unreached people, among the nations. Uh, go on to imb.org, click on going. You can fill out an application immediately and we'll be in touch with you and talk about opportunities for you to go. And then, of course, in sending you know, churches uh, to be a part of, of, of sending their own missionaries or of adopting an unreached people group and ensuring that missionaries are sent to them. Our mobilization team uh, here at the IMB works with churches every day to help them get more and more involved in the work in a hands-on way. And uh, we'd love to have the opportunity to do that with any listeners, pastors, churches uh, who may be a part of this podcast today. I love that. Thanks for sharing. Praying, giving, going, and sending. I think that's really helpful. I want to now scan out a little bit, kind of me and you kind of draw back a little bit and think a little bit more with maybe kind of a, a global perspective. Uh, so I want to ask you uh, kind of two questions that are kind of related. The first is, as you think about global missions today, what encourages you? As I think about global missions today, what encourages me is the opportunity that is in front of us. There are more lost people around the world today than at any time in human history. 
and the Lord has allowed Paul Aiken and Paul Chitwood and and uh, every other believer on the planet to be alive in this season. He's allowed us to steward uh, the Revelation 7-9 vision in this season. And and uh, that vision is John, John had a glimpse into heaven as it will be, not as it is today, but heaven as it will be. And what God allowed John to see was there before his very throne, the very throne of God, a vast multitude from every nation, from all peoples, tribes, and languages of the world, uh, worshiping him and glorifying him. We know that's heaven as it will be, not heaven as it is, because there are many nations who have yet to hear. Uh, There are many uh, tribes and peoples and languages that are yet represented around the throne. And that's the reason the Lord's left us here. Uh, He's left us here to steward that vision, to do our part, to get the gospel to those who have yet to hear. And so to know that, that we have the opportunity when there are more lost people around the world than any time in human history. And, uh, given this vision, the Revelation 7-9 vision to steward, uh, to take the gospel out uh, is incredible. And, and, and it's working. You know, the, the church is at work. The church is working. The Spirit of God is moving. We're seeing vast numbers of people in the Muslim world come to faith in countries that would never be suspected as being places where, where there's a great awakening uh, occurring. We're seeing in some very difficult places access that we've never had before. Uh, we're seeing in uh, in some places where access is closed, how the church that has been established there is enduring persecution, is continuing to be faithful to witness, and we're able because of the wonder of modern technology to continue to support them, to facilitate them, to do training online, even when we can't enter into those places. Uh, it's just there, there's an opportunity for gospel advance today as never before in history. And we get to be a part of it. And how exciting is that? Amen. I want to ask the question on the other side, as you think about global missions today, kind of broadly, what concerns you? What concerns me uh, ultimately uh, is uh, those 154,937 people who died yesterday and another nine, uh, 154,937 who'll die today, and another 154,937 who'll die tomorrow. It's, it's such a sobering and uh, heart-wrenching reality. And the stewardship that we have to get the gospel uh, to those who haven't heard uh, so they can believe and be saved uh, is such an awesome stewardship. Beyond that concern is access to those people. It's getting harder and harder to send you know, people in traditional missionary roles to really to the places where the most people, most lost people are and uh, how we can creatively overcome that challenge is uh, something that our team works on every day and our great commission partners work on every day. But the challenge of getting to the gospel where the gospel has not uh, yet made it, has not yet been heard is, uh, uh, is huge. And, and, and the concern that I have as we see, uh, you know, more countries closing and knowing that there are lost men and women and boys and girls there who, if they could but hear the good news that there's a Savior who loved them and died for them and welcomed them into his eternal family and that they would joyfully receive and believe that news, you know, that, that, that is of great concern to me. Uh, the creativity that's required today is, uh, is a creativity that we're, uh, we're trying to, to, to match, to meet, getting people to the world and different platforms and pathways. And Paul, even in your time at the IMB, I know you spent so much of your time and energy uh, in helping create these pathways so people could 
uh, people could go into places where, again, the traditional missionary couldn't go, where people who have skill sets uh, and even maybe different ways that they could be funded could, could be on the IMB team and, and, and could get out there. And as a result of your work and the work of so many others, you know, we have more medical missionaries serving around the world today than at any time in IMB history. And that's a part of uh, us meeting the challenge that, that I'm talking about. How do you get access? Doctors and nurses are welcomed by anywhere in the world uh, because the needs are so great and the suffering is so great. And there are many, many other pathways uh, and professions that can be used uh, to get people uh, into places where the traditional missionary can't go. Uh, but the challenge of this is simply a challenge that we must rise to meet. Uh, the Lord certainly didn't say it'd be easy. He said very clearly, uh, it will be difficult. It will cost you everything. And, and so how, you know, how we're discipling and, and, and positioning our generation, the rising generation of believers here in North America, and specifically of Southern Baptists, uh, to be willing to lay on the line, uh, to give everything for the sake of the glory of God among the nations, the sake of the lost hearing the gospel, that's a challenge that rests upon each of us as believers, as mobilizers, and as ministers in the local church. Thanks for sharing that. I mentioned in the introduction that you are a, a two-time graduate uh, from Southern Seminary, and I think you know this, but you are, are loved here, you're, you're prayed for here, but I'd love for you to share a little bit about how your time at Southern helped prepare you to be a leader in the church, you know, as you served previously in pastoral roles, but now uh, as a leader at the denominational level, as you've served in leadership roles at the KBC and now at the IMB as well. Well, there's really no way for me to quantify the impact that Southern Seminary has made on my life, the the, the importance of the preparation that, that I received there. Started as a Master of Divinity uh, student in, in 1992. Uh, graduated in December of 95, was prepared uh, during that season of, of training to pastor, to shepherd a local congregation, to lead. Then a couple of years out, uh, I started missing school. Uh, one of those strange uh, people who, who really just had a longing to go back and, and had the privilege of studying under Tim Booker uh, there in the Graham School, one of your colleagues, Paul. And did PhD studies there. Uh, John Mark Terry, who uh, is a former IMB missionary, uh, who served a couple of uh, uh, different roles uh, overseas at different seasons in his life, uh, was uh, my missions prof when I was doing my PhD studies in the Graham School. Uh, Dr. Booker, my supervisor and, and uh, my evangelism prof. And uh, the Lord, again, uh, under uh, those men and others, really molded and shaped my life, equipped me, prepared me to do you know, what I'm doing today. The challenge of, uh, of study and of learning uh, in the classroom, so vital to who I am today, to what I do today, but, but also the personal investment, the relationships with other students on campus, the relationships with, with professors. I found a lot of personal encouragement outside of the classroom during my time at Southern Seminary. Uh, and uh, I've always known uh, that uh, even to this day, if I ever needed anything, uh, that I had had a seminary community and seminary family that I've stayed connected to there uh, that uh, would go to any length to help me if I needed help, even though I'm many years uh, out of uh, my, my studies there. One, one, you know, honestly, one of the greatest uh, learning opportunities I've had in my life 
uh, came when I was on the other side of the lectern as, as a professor at Southern Seminary. Uh, the way uh, the, the students you know, challenged me to remain sharp, to remain studied up, to be sure that I was uh, making a good investment in them and in the classroom. Uh, so ju- just that learning environment, the community, I mean, it's a two-way street there. Such a blessing students have been to me there over the years that I taught. Uh, even though I'm not teaching now, I still carry many of those relationships and, and lots of great memories with me. I don't, you know, 18 years as a pastor, I could not have done uh, what uh, what I was able to do as a pastor by God's grace. Uh, was it not for the training uh, that I'd received uh, at Southern Seminary? Certainly, in my role as a missions leader in Kentucky, and now at the IMB, I couldn't do what I do today had it not been for that investment of learning, that equipping, that molding, that shaping that took place on the campus of Southern Seminary. I'm incredibly grateful. Uh, for that institution, the way the Lord has used it in my life and in the lives of so many others. Amen. You know, some of the folks that are listening to this podcast, to our conversation, are people who are wrestling with the call to potentially go and serve overseas as missionaries. And so I would love for you to share with them uh, an answer to this question. Why should people consider serving with the IMB? Well, let, let me clarify at the outset, there is an opportunity to serve with the IMB today. You know, there, there, there have been some difficult and challenging days, but the IMB is sending missionaries. Uh, and in fact, we're, we're growing our missionary force, and, and uh, we, uh, we want to see more and, people, more and more people going out through the IMB. The funding is here. The opportunities are here. And so don't, uh, d- don't assume for a moment uh, that the IMB isn't uh, a place where you might be able to serve. Uh, but let me tell you more than that, and not just because we're sending missionaries and we'd love to send you, whoever whoever's listening, whoever uh, feels that call. But uh, uh, let me say to you that from my perspective, there's no missionary sending organization in the world that cares for uh, missionaries like the IMB and provides more opportunities than the IMB. There are very few sending agencies that fully fund uh, you to go as a missionary and, and to plant your life among an unreached people group around the world. Very, very few that do that. What difference does that make? Well, you, you don't have to be uh, coming back to the States uh, every few months to raise money. You don't have to worry uh, week to week or month to month if donations are going to come in and you're going to be provided for. No, all of that is taken care of through the generosity of 47,000 churches and 14 million Southern Baptists. Uh, and the, the cooperative missions effort that Southern Baptist churches undertake is a direct benefit and blessing to any missionary who would serve with the IMB. And so if you want to, if you want to be able to dig in uh, to your work, have the best training in the world uh, when it comes to uh, your language preparation, your missiology, how to undertake the missionary task, if you want to serve not alone but on a team all of this is a part of how the IMB does missions, the ongoing support. If you have uh, critical needs, health needs, uh, while you're on the field, you have a support system around you. Your health care is provided for, uh, your, uh, your vehicle, your apartment expenses. You know, we, Southern Baptists love and provide for and take great care of their missionaries. Another aspect of this, as you think about uh, where you might plant your life around the world, uh, is that uh, you, you're joining an organization that has 175 years of experience in sending missionaries and has a great legacy of work around the world and so many great commission partners that you'll be able to connect with. 
there are 140 Baptist conventions and unions around the world that exist as a result of 175 years of Southern Baptist work. And so you can work alongside of Baptist partners and other Great Commission partners. Uh, you're not just simply out there on your own. And so for these reasons and really uh, so many others, uh, if uh, God were leading me uh, today uh, to uh, go and, and, and live overseas, if I felt the missionary call uh, upon me, uh, I would look first at the IMB. I would hope I didn't have to look any further uh, because of the incredible opportunities. And, and again, as I mentioned a few moments ago, uh, Paul, just so many pathways to go that you helped build and invest in here at the IMB. And if a person say, well, I've not been to seminary, I'm not a pastor, that's not my gifting calling. Well, what is your gifting calling? There are plenty of opportunities for you to serve in support roles. Again, medical missionaries, uh, veterinarians, uh, the uh, humanitarian relief and, and aid type work, on and on it goes. Teaching uh, in, in schools, local schools, international schools. It's the largest missionary sending agency of its kind in the world and in the history of Christianity. And there are tremendous benefits that come with that to those who go out and serve through the IMB. Amen. Thanks for sharing that. This this next question is a little bit more personal in nature, but it's a question that I ask everyone that I interview. And here's the question. Paul Chitwood, day after day, week after week, and month after month, what keeps you doing what you're doing, and why are you giving your life to this work? You know, it, it's humbling, uh, Paul, and, and I know you understand this. It's, it's humbling that the Lord would let us do anything uh, in His kingdom work that he would place a call upon upon my life, upon your life, uh, to serve the church, uh, to uh, be able to be ambassadors for Christ. Really, what, what keeps me uh, dialed in is just an awareness of the privilege, uh, incredible privilege that, that it is to be a part of what the Lord is doing. Uh, I don't deserve that privilege. Oh, my. Uh, but God, in His kindness, has has afforded me that privilege, and I I want to I want to please Him. I want to honor Him. I want to serve Him well. You know, we're, we're nothing without Him. I'm nothing without Him, and owe Him literally everything. And uh, to be able to honor Him, to please Him, uh, is something I, I desperately want to do. And so, just th- th- that ongoing awareness uh, that that I shouldn't be afforded this privilege, and yet God, in His kindness. Uh, has afforded me the privilege uh, is something that uh, certainly I can't I can't walk away from I can't complain about uh, there are many difficulties and struggles in ministry and in life and and hardships and challenges and yet uh, what a privilege uh, and I, I hope and pray that at the end of the day I'll be able to uh, keep the attitude and and the approach that that uh, the Lord said should be uh, of the servant uh, that. Uh, uh, we always recognize we're unworthy servants and have only done our duty. And this is a duty, uh, but it's also a, a privilege for me when you're talking about serving at the IMB uh, or other roles I've been in uh, or just being a follower of Jesus and uh, being able to share about him uh, with those who haven't heard and those who have but haven't believed uh, to share again with them. Yeah, it is just that word privilege uh, sets, uh, sets uh, uh, high above everything else, I think. Last question for you, and really just want to thank you for your time and appreciate you having the conversation with me. 
Last question is, what is one thing you want everyone listening to this podcast to know or to do? I think one thing that I would want them uh, to know is going back to something I've, I've spoken to already, and that is uh, there are lost people here at home and around the world who are dying every day. And just, just don't forget that. And the fact that many, so many of them uh, would receive uh, the good news and believe the good news uh, if they only had the opportunity uh, to hear the good news. And so uh, to to always have that awareness, the 154,937, you know, don't, don't lose that number uh, uh, from your head. And then what to do. Uh, you know, just, just be obedient. Go before the Lord and, and, uh, and pray, Lord, use me. And then when he opens up opportunities and avenues for you to be used, whether it's here at home or among the nations, uh, have no fear, have no hesitation, have no reservation. Answer his call, obey, follow, go. And uh, you will be blessed in that. The Lord will be honored in that. It'll be hard. There's no question about it. Uh, but the eternal rewards, not just to those of us who obey, but to those of us who, through our obedience, hear and believe. Again, no way to quantify the value of that. And so uh, might the Lord find uh, us faithful in, in being constantly aware of the lostness around us, the needs and opportunities for the gospel, and might the Lord find us obedient, willing to serve, go, share, and every opportunity that He affords us. And in that, He'll be glorified and we'll be blessed. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Dr. Paul Chitwood today. As the Lord brings him to your mind, please pray for him, pray for his family, pray for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and the ministry of the International Mission Board around the world. To hear more conversations like this, please subscribe to this podcast and be sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening to Amazon to the Himalayas. Thank you for joining us on Amazon to the Himalayas. This podcast is brought to you by the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary. Please visit our website, www.sbts.edu bgs, where you can subscribe to the show and learn more. Also, if you have found these conversations helpful, please leave us a comment or a review and encourage your friends to subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast.